On today's Hunt Harvest Health podcast, Ryan talks with his cousin, best friend, business partner, and hunting partner, Joey Pyburn. Since they were young children, Ryan and Joey have lived the outdoor lifestyle to the fullest. Fishing, hunting, hiking, anything that allowed them to be outside in the great outdoors. Today, they garden create recipes, and run a business together. And when they aren't doing that, you'll find them in the backcountry. We hope you enjoy this podcast. If you want to learn more about Joey, you can follow him on Instagram at at Joey Pyburn. Okay, so welcome to today's podcast. Today, I have tracked down my hunting partner, Joe Pyburn, um, sitting in his house Got a bunch of antlers on the wall. We got cougar pelt on one side, elk racks, deer racks. It's a pretty good place to be. So what I thought we'd do today is uh, kind of introduce my uh, my lifelong hunting partner. We've kind of grown up together. We're actually cousins. Um, more like brothers, I'd say, because we've just been so close for so many years. But uh, yeah, I really wanted to get him on this podcast. He's just a great hunter. Um, you know, we've done so much together. I, I figured we'd just tell some stories and, and kind of tell about, talk about our lifestyle and how we've grown up and, and what all the things that we've done together and, and where we are today versus where we are back then when we started this, this whole thing. And, uh, yeah. So Joe, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah. So, um, I'm Ryan's cousin. Um, like you said, we grew up together. Um, I can remember back, uh, being little tiny kids and going to Ryan's house and his dad was a a big fisherman, a hunter. And, uh, I just knew right away that that was something that I wanted to do. I wanted to fish. I wanted to hunt. I, I loved the idea of catching something and bringing it home. Um, and it's just kind of been a passion for me, uh, throughout my whole life. Um, yeah, Joe, Joe fit right into my family. Obviously, we, we come from, you know, we're a bunch of hunters and fishermen down the line. And, um, you know, at a young age, Joe and I growing up, I mean, shoot, we've been we've been doing this since we got our first guns together. Um, I think we got BB guns back in, uh, I don't know. I don't know 19, we 1980, I believe. We were, I think I was five and you were six. And uh, we went up to a cabin on the Nooksack River here in Washington. Uh, no power. Um, and with the whole family, we went up there a, for Christmas. That was a nasty, nasty uh, Christmas we had there weather-wise. Yeah. It was awesome, though. We uh, we got our BB guns, first, yeah. first guns, yeah. Christmas morning. And the folks just kind of turned us loose in the woods, you know, yeah, next, to, next to a raging river. Like <laughs> <laughs> was flooding. I can't imagine that happens a lot nowadays, um, but we took off and that was kind of it, man. From that point on, that was like, that was it for me. I, you know, I'd get home from school, that BB gun was in my hands and I was out the door. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we, shoot, we, that's what they did back then. Right. They just, they get, we unwrapped those, those BB guns gave us a couple of those little packets of BBs. Looked like a shotgun shell. Yeah. So there you go. All right, go have some fun. Get out of our hair. 
turned us loose. And that so. was that was perfect for us because Ryan and I, you know, he was a, he was a little older. I kind of looked at him like an older brother, and uh, I trusted him completely. Yeah, but you know what was crazy about that is you got the better BB gun. I did. I got a way better one. You yeah, got a red rider. I had the one pump. You yeah. had like the ten pump. Yeah, I could kill some stuff with mine. Yeah, you had to shoot stuff for a while. I did. I had to arc mine yeah. over things. <laughs> so. Yeah, being the older one, I figured I would have got the better BB gun, but that but didn't happen. We would just take off, man, and head into the woods at five and six years old, and I just follow Ryan around, and uh, you know, we learned a lot without any parental guidance. Yeah, I mean, we learned so many things you just forget about, just getting through the woods and, and making your way through, and getting to a spot and coming back, and you know, getting back before dark and all that kind of thing, and it. Yeah, it's just something that I don't think kids do today. How obviously. do we, how do we do that without a GPS? Uh, I have no idea. I get lost I, without my GPS. I do too, man. I'm looking at that thing all the time. I don't know where I'm at. But yeah, we uh, yeah that that first that that first that Christmas was brutal. We ended up getting stuck. We had to. Well, the river flooded. Yep, river flooded. We it, had to try to get out of there before we got flooded. We had well, to drive they, across the. They had to bring a canoe. Yeah. They had to bring a canoe in and canoe us out of there. And then we went to a some people's cabin and kind of hunkered down there until we could get out of there. Yeah, kind of finished off our Christmas there. Yeah, yeah. I don't even remember the next Christmas or the next one or the next one, but I remember that one. <laughs> well, there was guns involved. <laughs> so yeah, I mean we we've grown up. We we've done a ton of stuff. Um, you know, going going from that stage all the way. You know, we used to, we lived pretty far apart. Um, you know, you lived down by the beach on Woodby Island. Uh, I lived up Monroe, Snohomish, yep. you know, a variety of places. So if we were up at my place, we'd go out tracing through down towards Panther Lake and, you know, try to shoot coyotes and do this and that. And if we were down at your place, we we're going hunting rabbits and going down to the beach where there's rabbits everywhere. So we quick, quickly graduated from BB guns to 22 rifles yep. at a very young age. Yeah, dude, and, we, we were walking down highways and yeah. every road imaginable, just carrying guns. Yep. <laughs> nobody blinked, nobody blinks an eye. No, no. It, they weren't calling the cops, and it was just kind of a, what people did back then. You're just walking out and heading to the woods or heading to the beach or whatever. Uh, it, was a, it was a better time, I think. It was a better time, for sure. So, yeah, but, um, you know, Joe and I, you know, we... We used to, especially when I got my license, shoot, we used to just hop in the truck. I had an old, what was that, 85 Toyota 4x4, and, and we'd just hop in that thing and head east as soon as we could. Um, we'd go on big hikes and bonsai trips and go chase an elk and, you know, um, shoot, I, I don't know how many trips we made over into the Clockham and over by Wenatchee and Ellsberg, just just over there just to look at elk. I mean, we yeah. had, that was, I think I remember we try to get in as close as we could and just taking pictures with those, those Kodak, <laughs> those paper cameras. Yeah. Yeah. That's disposables. What disposables. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what I remember walking around and try to get in as tight as you yeah. can. Yeah. Try to take pictures with those ridiculous cameras. Way before we ever actually hunted for elk, we, we would just go over there and we would hike around in the sagebrush and I probably didn't even have binoculars, but, we no, just tried to get as close to the elk as we we'd could. We'd see yellow patches and we'd yeah. just go for it and try to get in close. Man, that was fun stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. So many trips, you know, way before we were actually hunting big game or, or whatever. We did a lot of bird hunting back then, but um shoot. Well, that that Clockham area, um, there's a there's a house there. And uh that house is for the the game warden for that area. And I don't remember his name, but he was a cool old you yeah. know, old timer. And we'd go to his house every time before we went back there and just kinda talk to him about what was happening back there. What he was seeing for critters. Yeah. How the was, birds doing. He was always shocked too. that we were heading in there, you know? Yeah, it was like we're the only ones going over there. It was like, it was just empty of people. Nobody yeah. back there but us all and the he, time. He So we would show up in the driveway and sometimes he was out in his shop and we'd go, you know, track him down. And eventually he he gave us a nickname. He would be like, oh, it's the gung-ho boys. Yeah, the gung-ho boys. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah cool old guy but uh shoot yeah we had a ton of fun bouncing around and beating up the old pickup back there and yeah i don't know how we didn't get stranded back there at some point but because it's just a nasty shoot we'd go two three hours of just bouncing down the worst nightmare roads yeah. you can imagine and just to get back there to look at some elk and then drive on out but uh you know yeah what a what a blast it's a good way to grow up yeah definitely i mean that you know, that kind of led to, well, we always liked the adventure part. I think when I graduated from high school, we packed up your truck and we left and went to Montana for, what, two weeks? Well, uh, River Runs Through It. River yeah. Runs Through It came out and like everybody else, we're like, well, we got to go get a, a creel. Yeah. Like a wicker, whatever, basket. Yeah. <laughs> throw our fish That's in. right. <laughs> Take our fly rod and, and head to Montana. So that's what we did. And, um, yeah, we went over, ended up around Wolf Creek, Montana. Um, went, shoot, we went and fished like, I think it was Park Lake out of Helena. Uh, kind railing. of railing. Yep. And just tore up the rainbows on the Missouri. And um, the Browns. And the Browns. Yep. Caught a ton on uh, prickly pear. Prickly pear. Uh, yeah, yeah. Walking that, fishing, Clark actually Fork. fishing a, a float with a night crawler under it. And yeah, man, we were totally awesome. cheating back then. It yeah. was uh, it was no contest. <laughs> well, we weren't we weren't really great fly fishermen at that point. No, we had fly rods. We did. They were tip of worms. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah. So yeah, it was. Shoot, I think we hit. Man, we hit the Boulder, we hit the Missouri, the Clark Fork, all yeah. those good rivers, and just tore up those giant rainbows. And we took our rafts over, and we just like uh, you know drop one guy in, and he'd float it all the way down to Missouri and wherever there's a pickup, I go, you know, grab Joe, toss the raft back in and do the same thing again. Just yeah. over and over. We should do that Four again. Months. We yeah. should take, uh, take Paley and Tana over there at some point and kind of do somewhat of a similar trip to that. Cause you know, um, Montana, you can just kind of get lost over there and there's so much to do and there's so much wild country. Yeah. Um, it's pretty, you know, well, those it, it days, leaves I mean, a mark on your We were like in, in awe just because, uh, you know, we're seeing all these big horn sheep just, you know, we're, deer, we're 16 elk. years old and, yeah. and we don't see that in Washington. So we're just like, yeah, deer, elk everywhere, big horns along the roads and just fishing. That was phenomenal. Yeah. And I know they probably got a few more rules. Oh, they do have a few more rules. I don't think we'd be tipping uh, tipping our, our you know, fly rods with, with worms at this no. point. <laughs> but... Yeah, I think that whole two weeks we never saw a game warden. No, or if we did, we never. They never talked to us. No, it was uh, it was a wild, just a wild place. Yeah, didn't see a whole lot of people at all. Yeah, um, not even that many fishermen. A couple, 
you up by the dams, but that was about it. So, yeah, it was good living. We spent most of our our younger years, like, pretty focused on fishing. That was a big thing for us. Um, yeah. We loved to trout fish. We were big into – Ryan liked to find, like, some pond that didn't have a trail to it, some little pothole in the mountains, and he'd be like, we got to go find that. And you remember Drunken Charlie? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Spot How many on times that. did we try to find that thing? No, we, it took us a while. It's just um, had a cool name. Yeah, it Drunken was like Charlie. No, no way to get to it except yeah. we finally figured it out. So, yeah. Yeah, there's so many potholes on a map. You just put your finger on and say, oh, let's try to get to that one. And, you know, eventually there's there's generally a trail somewhere. It may not be on the map, but, you know. But sometimes uh, goes there's trail, nothing. Go trail in some, some way, somehow, but we'd get in there. And yeah, that was, that's kind of what our focus was back then. Um, like I've said before, we did a ton of bird hunting. We, we chased chuckers and pheasant and quail and did a lot of that. Um, I think you did a lot more waterfowl than I did. I was more into the upland stuff. And yeah. I think you chased a lot more ducks and geese, but uh but yeah, shoot, um, you know, that kind of the fishing thing, that was what we were, we got bit with the fishing bug pretty hard back then. I mean, I went, shoot, uh, taking some college classes and, and, uh, you know, opportunity came up for me to start guiding in Alaska and, uh, you know, got offered a job by somebody here that had kind of known me, um, just from steelheading around here. Cause we were steelhead junkies. I well, mean, we that's were, what we live for. When we were little kids, we were you know, going up to the river and like limiting out around all these men yeah. and walking out with our two steelhead. And, you know, we're just, we got pretty good at it. Right. Oh yeah. You know, made a, made a name for ourselves and Ryan got offered a job in Alaska and, and he went and I stayed here and, uh, you yeah. know, worked for the, for the company. And, and man, uh, what a, what a blast that was. That was, uh, spent five, five seasons, um, up there, most of, most of it around the Bristol Bay watershed up in the, um, Katmar region, the Alagnac region. And, uh, yeah, man, what a blast. I mean, we saw some of the coolest country around. We did fly outs to these amazing places, caught a lot of rainbows, a lot of Kings. Um, yeah. best part about that, that river is it was just, you know, so much variety, you know, you could go down and, and, you know, cast fish tide water. You could fish tide water with blades or, or cheaters. You know, uh, you know, boondogging or or backing down plugs and blades or shoot. Then you could go hit hit a little backwater str- uh, slough and strip a mouse across the top for pike. Yep. Or go upriver and catch uh, you know char and rainbows. Um, just incredible. Well, uh, I remember the first year you were up there. You came home. I think that year your grandfather died. You came home for the funeral, and I remember we were at the farm, and you were like, "You gotta go, you gotta come up there." Yeah. So the next year I went, and uh, yeah, that was a, that was a great experience. You know, we both kind of flourished in that environment because we loved to fish. I mean, it was like, yeah, you know, we're up early on the water, you know, excited every day to get on the water with our clients, and it was cool in a lot of ways because you know we. Yeah, like you said, we loved to fish. The fishing was awesome. I mean, compared to what we deal with in Washington, yeah, we gotta work our tail off to get steelhead. Um, up there, it just came kind of easy. You yeah. know, it's fishing. You know, it's fishing where there's just a whole lot more fish, way easier to do it. Um, and the salmon was just unbelievable. So we picked all that up really fast, and then 
you know, um, man, opportunities just came out when, when we were doing that, you know, we got offered to go to Russia. And so went over and did that and, um, you know, got offered to go to another place down on the, uh, the illusion chain and fish steelhead or fished, uh, Kings down there and do steelhead down there too. Um, and, uh, man, just phenomenal fishing brought us some of the, some of the most cool places you'll ever be. Um, you know, just up and down rivers all day long. And then you can just go hiking and hike the beach and look for those, uh, those glass balls that, you know, yeah. When fishing suck, like over on the Kamchatkas, um, you'd fish rainbows on the West side and steelhead on the East side of the peninsula. Other way. Other way. West. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. East side rainbows, West side steelhead and the steelhead fishing, you know, it was later in the fall. The rivers would blow out occasionally and then oh, you, yeah. you just couldn't fish. So you could, bomb down river all the way to the ocean and then just hike the river and you'd find agates the size of baseballs yep. and those glass balls. And man, I think probably my clients had more fun doing that. Beach combing. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 At least like one day a week, you know, just go do some beach combing and, and uh, just show them something a little bit different. I yeah. mean, how many steelhead do you want to catch? Yeah. You know? But uh, yeah, that was all fly fishing and just incredible that you can't really get. It was one of those places where, you know, we were offered to go over the right wind, uh, you know, basically. Well, you first folks were. You you went on an exploratory Yeah, trip. we just got to go over there and set up shop and, and see what the opportunity was to bring clients over. And so, yeah, we'd fly around in helicopters and, and pick out rivers and, and um, say, yeah, that looks fishable. We could probably put a little tent camp up there. And so, yeah, shoot, we'd float these places and, and kind of figure them out and name these waters and. Oh, man, it's just just great opportunity to to learn a whole lot of new country and and see it for the very first time. Most and people can't get out there; they can't afford to rent a helicopter and, and just get out and, yep. and check out these places. And um, really, the only folks that had ever seen these waters on that Kamchatka were you know kind of the locals that were all they had little villages down at the the mouths of some of the rivers, and that was about it. Yep. So um, yeah, so we got to do do some years, um, spent some years doing that. Man, yeah, I, that was one of the highlights of my probably early 20s right sure. there. Sure. I mean, yeah, definitely. You know, and you do you do kind of get burnout on it because we're leaving for, you know, four months at a time and not really seeing our families. Yeah. So, I, got, I think I got more burnout on just the clients. I, I love being up. I think it would have been a different story if it was just, uh, you know, us up there yeah, fishing and just sure. going to do whatever. But, yeah, we were doing a little bit of babysitting for some yeah. folks, so. But, you know, we both kind of stepped away from that and came back and, uh, well, I had met my wife up there. So we, yeah. um, yeah, I'd met her the first year I was in Alaska somehow, some way. And so, um, yeah, who knows if I w wouldn't have met her, I'd probably still be guiding up yeah. there. <laughs> I don't know. I'd be some crotchety old guide, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that was, that was, uh, definitely a, a good time. We both got to enjoy and, and see it and. Um, be a, be a big part of it was a big part of our our early twenties for sure. So yeah, I mean those are things that you you know those are experiences that you'll never forget. You know we we both got to do a moose hunt when we were up there. Yeah. Um, got to not necessarily guide a moose hunt, but we were fishing guides and we had probably the most hunting experience at, at the lodge. So yeah, one year Ryan did it, and uh, then the next year 
I got to do it. And it was, it was awesome, man. So yeah. cool. Yeah. We had all the, all the big wigs coming up and Jason Caribou and those and yeah. Gary Loomis and all those boys. So yeah, it was, it was a blast, but, um, yeah, that, that was kind of, uh, I would say we, that, that's kind of when we really started getting into big game hunting after, after, you know, we were doing a lot of hunting obviously for deer and stuff, yep. but, um, but it ate up Alaska, a ton of our time, you know, we, we wouldn't get home until mid October sometimes from yeah. Alaska. So, um, you know, we would miss September Yep. and, uh, maybe back then we didn't really realize how important it was to be here in September. <laughs> well, we chased things with rifles. So mm-hmm. it still put us back in time for uh, general deer season, but um, then we were forced to hunt, you know, yeah, the second half of October and then into November. So the weather wasn't nearly as nice and we didn't have a bow in our hand back yeah. then. So, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, that was, that's what kind of, you know, that's just been our relationship the whole time is, is, you know, a lot of, a lot of hunting, a lot of fishing. And, uh, you know, that's where we are. You know, we, we've kind of progressed a little bit from those days to where we are today and now we're a lot more focused on the, on the hunting than we are the fishing. Um, yeah. You know, we, our business is, is in the fishing realm, but, um, you know, we want to, we want to take our time off. We're, we're definitely chasing critters and pretty much all year round thinking about critters and what we're going to do to get more critters and yep. get more hunts in and, and figure them out better. And, um, yeah, it's kind of a, just a lifestyle we've led. So, um, and this year, you know, we, we got to do a couple hunts. We don't get to do as many as we used to. Uh, we used yeah. to hunt together a lot you know we used to just if we were going hunting as you and me going hunting. yeah but these days uh you know for for quite a while now actually quite a few years um we've done a lot more solo stuff uh, especially me i think i've i've done a lot more solo than i have with a hunting partner um for quite a few years now yeah well you deal with it way better than i do i you know i like to solo um but you know i don't i don't quite enjoy it as much um you know, it's, it's different, you know, I like the getting back to camp and kind of being able to go through the day's events and kind of brainstorm on, you know, what we should do the next day. I like that interaction. Um, it just kind of, you know, keeps me motivated to know I'm going to go back there and we're going to be able to sit down and talk about what's going to happen tomorrow. And, you know, when you're totally focused on what you're doing back there and you have somebody else who's also totally focused, man, you can, you can really pick things apart and figure stuff out and make good decisions. You know, it help. it really helps me to make good decisions back there. When I'm by myself, a lot of times I, I rush, um, a little bit, and, uh, and I just, I like that, you know, company back there. Yeah. You're definitely more of a social butterfly. Than yeah. I am. I'm yeah, more definitely. of an introvert by, by a lot. I'm, I'm definitely introverted. So I just like, uh, I like it both ways. I like, you know, when you and me go back, obviously we can, we can tackle a mountain and figure it out really fast. Yeah. You know, we split up, we go our separate ways. And, and by the end of the day, when we come back and talk to camp, you know, we're, we know exactly what's on that mountain. Um, maybe I didn't see something on my side, but you know, you had a completely different experience on your side. Yeah. So it could, it could totally change my view of that area. 
Yeah. Just coming back and, and figuring out what you saw. You know, maybe I saw one buck and you saw five or six. I think it's a huge benefit to, I, I tell young guys all the time, get yourself a solid dude, man. Like a guy who you can count on, mm-hmm. not to, not to, you know, wuss out five days into the hunt and want to run off the mountain and go home to his girlfriend. Get a guy who can hang. And you can really get some stuff done because if you have that, you know. I think I've heard more horror stories these days with these younger guys getting into it, hooking up with a guy who can't cut it in the mountains. And and it just wrecks both. It wrecks everybody's experience. Um, I don't know what it is, but uh, I think there's, yeah, there's, unfortunately, there's a lot of that these days. You really got to be selective (laughs) with who you're going with. Well, I think that a lot of that is, well, for one, there's a lot of guys getting into it who are, who are just getting into it, I think, yeah. you know, which yeah. is great. I love it, man. I, I love talking to young guys who are getting into it and excited about it. Um, but, man, if you're going at it alone right out of the gate, it can be, I can imagine it can be very frustrating because you're going to spend a lot of days in the backcountry where you're just, like, defeated. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have somebody there to kind of push you along um, – I bet it can be pretty tough. You know, I know I go in the backcountry by myself quite a bit now because, you know, Ryan and I are putting in different states and getting drawn for different things. And, you know, if I get drawn for a hunt, he's going to back back me up here at work so I can go get my hunt in. And, uh, you know, I, I go do it, but I definitely don't, you know, it's not my favorite thing to do. Um, if there's plenty of critters and I'm having action, then I'm good. But those times when it starts to be a suck fest, um, it gets tough, man, when you don't have somebody there to, to bounce stuff off of, right? Yeah. Yeah. The mental game is uh, it's tough. It can be really brutal for, for well, some Well, you folks. wouldn't know. <laughs> Not me, but you just go <laughs> back there and I don't know what you do. I think in my head, I mean, I picture you just like hunting all day till dark and then you go back to your tent and you just sit there. Like in the dark, <laughs> eating, and then you you fall asleep like a baby every yeah. time. Yeah. Just you, as soon as your head's down, you're out. I'm lucky. Yeah, I, I have. I've never. I don't have trouble falling asleep all day, and I come back and yeah. I mean, even if you yeah. and I are together, I, we'll be talking. And I'm out. Oh yeah, you I don't have it. to pop any Tylenol PM or anything like that. I'm just out. No, and yeah. I don't. I my head my. My head, my brain just keeps racing and I keep thinking about like what I'm going to do tomorrow and then I get excited and then I can't sleep a lot of the time. Yeah. No, I, I enjoy it. I, I actually, uh, you know, I'm not going to say I, I prefer it over hunting with a partner, but, you know, I, I do really enjoy it. There's just something different about it um, going up in there. And, you know, I, I, I think it may be, I, don't, I wasn't like this in the early stages, you know, I'll admit early stages out there by yourself you know, way back in 10, 12 miles, whatever it was, you know, it'd get a little spooky in the yeah. early days. You just hadn't experienced enough. You hadn't, you know, kind of like, what know, if I, through. what if I slip and, you know, slip yeah. and fall down in this boulder field and yeah. you don't have cell service, you, yeah. you have nobody back there, nobody knows where you're at. And that stuff definitely plays on your mind. Um, and now it's, um, yeah, definitely. You still think about it, but, um, you just had so many experiences that it's just not an issue. I don't, I don't, I don't not enjoy it when I'm back there by myself. Yeah. I actually like it. And I do. I'll go back to the. Yeah, I, I won't go back and have anybody to talk to. 
but you know, I guess I must talk to myself or something. I don't know. I just relay it through my head the days yeah. advance and, and I'm totally content and, and willing to do that for, for a lot of days in a row. And, um, I think, um, I think my mental state is just as good on day one as it is on day 10. For, I can for tell, reason. I can tell though, when Ryan's having a tough hunt, that's, that's, you know, bad weather, maybe not seeing a lot of critters, just beating them up. Cause I'll get a message usually every day or two on the Delorme. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, somebody's, somebody's <laughs> reaching out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Oh, okay. So weather that gets you, I mean, that gets you when it you're, sucks. you just, you're just drenched, you're going back and you're wet in your camp. And, uh, yeah, there's just something mentally draining about that. But, uh, yeah, this year there was a lot of that. I'll admit that we, we got, we got to go on an elk hunt together where Joe went in and, and just killed a tank of a bull, big old monster Rosie. And, and that was not the best. Weather. First, first morning. Yeah. Like right away. You know, I chased that bull for a couple hours and finally got him to turn and, and come. Just um, a tank. And, and Ryan, like he, he doesn't want that. He's not looking for a giant bull on the first morning. He likes to have some punishment. He likes, you know, to get wet and well, cold actually, and beat up. Yeah. And I, I'm perfectly happy. If that bull comes in on opening morning, I'm going to kill him and be happy with it. And, uh, so I did. And Ryan was up the valley from me and was able to come down and, uh, I actually had a nice six point come I mean, in while you were working your bull. I was kind of sitting in the back. You passed two bulls that morning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. First one was a nice six that came in and I was just not even in mode to kill one that, that, that fast, but I would have shot I, that bull in a second. Yeah. I was watching or I was listening to you go back and forth and playing with that bull and, and working him and, until you got him. And yeah, lo and behold, I had a, had a uh, pretty nice six point come in behind me and I turned around. There he was. And, you got it on video too. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I got my phone out and started taping him and pretty nice six, but it was just, it was the first day. <laughs> yeah. He came down to where I was. Um, I was kind of sitting back. My bull had died in the woods, um, down below me. And I was just kind of chilling, waiting for Ryan to get there. And he came down and we, you know, went over the whole story. And then he showed me the picture or the video of, of that bull. And I was like, what? You passed on that? Are you crazy? Yeah. Well, I would have shot that thing in a second. Yeah. Maybe I would have if I didn't know the weather was going to turn so bad because it got bad. I mean, it was like, uh, luckily you packed a tarp in on that one. Yeah. Which was kind of handy. It's something we don't always have. And um, you had one there. And that, that was, man, that was a definitely a bonus. Yeah. Well, look, if if I'm going into the backcountry and uh, there's any sign or chance that it could really get nasty. Um, I load my, I, I buy a big giant tarp, like a 10 by 20 tarp and I load my pack up and then I throw it on my back, wiggle around a little bit. And if it feels like, Hey, you know, I'm, I want that back there with me and I I feel like it, you know, it's not going to beat me up too much. I'll haul a big old tarp back there. And uh, it just makes for like, you know, if you're going to be back there for six days in the rain and you have a big tarp like that, you just saved yourself a ton of misery. Oh, yeah, drying out is way easier at the end of the day. And when it never stops raining and sleeting, yeah. coming back and, and having a little campfire or whatever um, and having a place to, to kind of dry your stuff, hang your stuff and not just be stuck in your little tent. It's, well, it, uh, it was beautiful. Um, it was a beautiful morning yeah. when I called that bull in and killed him. And uh, 
sunny, nice. <laughs> and uh, so I got him, Brian helped me break him down. I got the meat back to camp and he took off. And then I spent the next two or three days packing meat and the weather just got worse and worse. And it started pouring. Snow line came down. Snow line came down. Yeah. And you spent another six days in there. I had packed way up valley. Maybe Um, another six miles or seven miles up. Yeah. And I was wishing I had brought that tarp because I didn't. I left that back at that kind of our makeshift base base camp. I spiked out and boy, I was, yeah, I was kind of thinking I should have brought that tarp when I was up there because it was nasty. I mean, it was just sleeting and foggy and nasty, but, uh, ended up getting a nice bowl on that and well into that hunt. So it worked out, but yeah, yeah. So we got, we got two good hunts in together this year, that one, and then a mule deer hunt, uh, the Washington mule deer hunt that we, we got in on. And that was, that was, um, again, it was crappy weather, really bad. It was mostly just fog. It wasn't. It wasn't like we were miserable, but it was just frustrating because we. Well, it was cold. Know. I mean, it was really cold and snowy and foggy. But yeah, man, I dug it. I I had a great time on that hunt. Um, I didn't kill anything, but you know, just the the different weather conditions we've kind of had back there. The fog, which is fog, is probably the worst. I mean, at least rain. You know, it it usually doesn't rain the whole time. Yeah, you get some breaks. But that frustrating fog, man. You got you got no way to hunt. You just yeah, you just got to sit there. When you're up there looking at glass and hillsides and, and cover country with your eyeballs, boy, you got fog. There's nothing you can do. I mean, yeah. when it's top to bottom, you know, sometimes there's a kind of an inversion. There's there's fog on the top, so you can get below it and, and cover the the lower country or or the other way around. Sometimes it's down below, filling the valley, and you can get up above it. But now we were socked in, socked in good, where we were just basically stuck in our camp and just sitting there and waiting for it to lift. Well, and we we'd get up on the on the ridge, you know, just hoping for a break. And yeah, and Mother you know, Nature's just giving us like these five minute windows. It's like yeah. yeah, you better look fast, and then it just it just socks in again. And yeah, every time we're thinking, oh, it's gonna break, I see a little bit of blue up there, and then back to back to socked in you're just sitting there twiddling the cones but we ended up you know just toughing it out and staying back there and i think on day six um you know we'd seen that buck a couple days before and and you know had some breaks in the fog and kind of had an idea that he was decent buck but he was a long ways off and uh we finally got in on him on yeah, the we, last day. We ended up having to come off the top, um, get way down below. The snow had gotten really deep. You know, when we went in, there was, oh, I think 15 inches before we got in there. And then, and then while we were there, the fog kind of limited where we, could, where we could see. And we didn't want to go too far. And then uh, another 15 inches dumped yeah. on us while we were kind of waiting out the fog. So we kind of got pinned down in a basin and then kind of figured out, well, we got to change something here. It's going to kill our hunt so we were gonna pick up and and move and and we went down ridge and ended up getting this little window at some point uh i don't remember what day that was and we started seeing some bucks down in this patch and they were just they were all over this patch there were some yep. does down there they were just like pre-rut just barely starting to rut and um yeah we we got our eyes on on a pretty good buck and and made a play on him well not not that day but uh, the next day ended up Finally dropping way down elevation, 
got down out of the snow. We had to drop down that far and then kind of... Well, uh, that's kind of where those deer were hanging. They were hanging right below the snow line. So, you know, it made more sense to come around the mountain, kind of on that snow line and and come in from the other side, um, kind of side hill across from that deer. Yeah. Yeah. It was... uh, I think we were pretty lucky that they'd, they'd moved up the valley out of that patch and we just happened to be sneaking along the side hill and Ryan caught movement and a buck we'd seen earlier that we, we nicknamed Krabby. Yeah. Kind of a good buck, kind of a cool looking buck. Yeah. But just not, we watched a big old golden eagle die bombing. Yeah. And kind of gave right. his position away. Yeah. That's what showed him. Yeah, so that's where we first saw him. Yeah, bomb on the whole, way over on the other side of the mountain is that's where we first saw him. But he he came running out of that valley with his tongue hanging out, boogieing right by us, and you know he had no idea we were there. He just ran by, and we're like, "What is going on?" And kind of kind of had an idea that got our hopes up because that we knew buck was up that something up there. something was up over the knob because uh, he'd obviously just been you know, in a rodeo fighting with something. So we were pretty excited to go a little bit further. And we were just getting up to the point of that basin where it, the snow was going to get pretty deep. And we knew all those bucks were kind of at the low end of that, right on the snow line. So uh, kind of getting that good feeling like, well, it's going to happen here real quick. And sure enough, that's when uh caught some movement and saw that big old thing. Yeah. So, but yeah, ended up being a really nice buck. Put a Put a stock on him. Um, shoot, we lost him for a little while. You ended up relocating him on the side hill across from us. And uh, yeah. he was 300 yards over there and ended up, man, what a goofy position shot I was in. Yeah, well, we were, that shot. we were on the side hill. He was across on the other side. And, and it was pretty steep. So Ryan laid down and he was almost like feet uphill. And he had like a little root wad a little tree had fallen over and he was on the root wad. I had and a great rest. If, if the hill would have been different, we yeah. went on the other side of the hill and we pinned down, we couldn't move. And yeah, shoot, I got my gun up and, and had a rock solid rest, but yeah, just the position of the hill that we were on. Uh, I knew it was going to hurt. <laughs> yeah. You said it three times. You're like, man, this is going to hurt. I was just, I was just looking at the buck up on the hill yeah. and he, he had actually bedded down cause he'd been fighting and yeah. chasing those does. The does were looking right down at us and he's just bedded on the hill and Ryan sets up on him and he'd look over at me and he's like, man, this is going to hurt. And I'm just I looking, I'm like, shoot him. I shoot couldn't him. get the stock in my shoulder right just because of the funky angle and it was way too close to my face on my scope. Yeah, the so, scope was about a quarter inch yeah. away from his head. But it was the only shot I had. So, uh, you know, I let Joe know what was about to happen. Yeah. And sure enough, man, I, I, uh, I, Took the shot, drilled that buck, just rolled him down the hill. You bled more than he did. I think so. Yeah. yeah I didn't see much blood up there, but it was sure pouring off my forehead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but well worth it. I think that, that's the second time I've ever scoped myself. And the, the first time I was, jeez, I don't know how, how young I was. Probably just, just beginning. But, uh, yeah, just a weird angle. I've never never thought I'd scope myself again, but I sure did it this year. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the, I think... We hunted twice together this year and probably it'd probably been like two or three years before we'd or since 
we haven't been on a hunt. Anymore. No, no, I've, I've got a lot more into the archery hunting. So I, I typically do that. Now this year, my time was really sucked up by some good draws. You yeah. Know, I got to go down to Nevada and Idaho oh, yeah. and all these other places. And I've just been chasing muleys, you know, in the high country early in September here in Washington for a long time. So we haven't been able to, we haven't done our rifle hunt. So this is kind of like going back to old school, what we used to do. And here in Washington, you, you get a multi-season tag. And what that allows you to do is, is chase bucks in September with your bow. And if, if that doesn't happen to work out, you can go right into muzzleloader season on October 1st. And if that doesn't work out, go right into rifle season. So it's pretty cool, especially if you, you know, you, you just draw tags and you don't have any opportunity to go chase them with a bow early, which is what happened to me this year. And so, yeah, man, I was looking forward to this when, when we were able to set it up and go in there together and, and go after a, a nice buck, the rifle, which is, yeah, it was pretty fun. Yeah. Definitely. So, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of, you know, growing up, we, we've done a whole lot of hunts and now we're, now we're getting old and I don't know. Now we're more into, we, we, we got this weird thing going with food. Yeah. I gotta say we love food. Obviously, you know, with our podcast, we, we, me and my wife, we talk a lot about food, but, uh, you know, Joe and I, I think we, you know, we used to send photos of, of, you know, dead fish and dead critters. Now it seems like we get a lot more pics. Like I'll get a pic of Joe's, you know, whatever kind of fancy healthy pizza he made, which he sent me one the other day of his, his cauliflower crust pizza, Yeah, which I just made last night and was awesome. Um, but, uh, yeah, we both have big gardens now, so we're we're super health conscious and, and, uh, pictures we, of tomatoes and peppers. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's got a bigger tomato growing and all this kind of weird stuff. <laughs> so yeah, the older we get, we get a lot more into our food and, and now we're just kind of food snobs and yeah, just, uh, I think we do way more cooking than our wives do. Well, I mean, when you have a freezer full of this amazing elk and deer and bear and all these critters, it's hard not to, you know, really get into cooking. Um, yeah. I love it, it man. It's, it's probably one of my favorite things. Yeah, we experiment with it and just kind of come up with all kinds of new dishes and, you know, healthy, healthy ways to cook it and, you know, what we can add to it. And it's, it's just, it's just fun. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's really addicting. Yeah. I mean, and we like eating, you know, all kinds of stuff too. We, we, the, obviously always the heart comes out. Oh yeah. I'm a big fan of the nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Elk nuts. nuts are delicious. Yeah. I, um, Stephen Ronella, meat eater. You know, I I watched meat eater and he was talking about it, and I was like, hmm, man, there's got to be something to it because that guy, you know, I never, there's never anything on that show that I don't like. <laughs> so um, I think 2014 was the I killed a bull um, here in Washington, and I I brought the nuts out, and I remember I was in the kitchen cutting them up, and my wife walked in and she was just standing there looking at me and she goes, you're disgusting. <laughs> and I was like, whatever, you know, I'm just going to, I just want to try it. And I started cooking those things up and I'm not kidding. It was like a half an hour. I'm in there munching on these things and she comes in and goes, that smells delicious. And I was like, just try it. And she tried a little piece and then, 
she's gobbling them down and she doesn't like me to tell people that, but, <laughs> but she likes them. <laughs> They're delicious. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I as well, I, I got Hillary to eat like a little sliver of one, one time, but she, uh, she won't go near him now. Yeah, I think it's a principal thing for the ladies. They're like, I'm not <laughs> something weird about it. <laughs> I'm not putting those in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, we like those uh, those weird weird pieces of meat. Those weird bits. Tongue, it's like, tongue is delicious. Oh man. man, I can't even imagine not eating the tongue these days. It's one of the best parts. Um, but yeah, definitely the heart. Um, by far, two of my favorite pieces, which a lot of people just leave out there. I can't believe yeah. it, the heart and the tongue. Well, when you work is, I mean, it's hard, you know, going in the back country and being successful and, and killing a critter, it's hard work, man. So you should, you should take everything you can and, uh, and at least try it. You know, maybe some, maybe somebody's like, Oh, I tried it and I don't like that. Well, that's fine, but at least try it, you know, um, mm. eat as much of that critter as you can. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So these days, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot more about our, our off season is more about prepping food and, and just playing with the food that we got in our freezer and different cuts. And, you know, what can we do with the, with all the spaghetti sauce that we put up this summer and, and that of course, uh, yeah, there's so many things you can do with it from, you know, making our own dehydrated meals for, for backpacking here in the summer and, and scouting and hunting and all that to, uh, you know, this time of year, it's like making, making cauliflower crust pizzas, which sounds disgusting, but I got to say, that's my daughter ate most of that pizza that yeah. I made the other night. Yeah, it that's was pretty good. So good. You just wouldn't think cauliflowers make a good crust, but it does. It's, it is something anybody tries it, maybe they're not going to know it was cauliflower or that, I mean, they're just going to think it's good. Yeah. I don't, I don't see how you wouldn't, but. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a tasty little treat, for sure. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Well, I think, uh, yeah, kind of a just kind of a brief overview. We're gonna have Joe on quite a bit, I think, um, telling stories. He's a way better storyteller than I am. So we'll have him on. I just kind of wanted to introduce him today, and and uh, you know, let everybody know what he's about. And uh, definitely, he's my hunting partner. So we will have him on in the future, probably, hopefully, quite a bit. Yeah. Anytime, man. All right. Well, that's a wrap. All right, later, guys. Hey, folks. Thanks for listening to the Hunt Harvest Health Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Any comments, ideas, suggestions, uh, feel free to shoot us an email at lampers at stahealthyhunter.com. That's S-T-H. Or go to our website at huntharvesthealth.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Stealthy Hunter or at Doc Hillary. Feel free to message me as well through Instagram as uh, I do really enjoy answering any questions related to gear, hunting, uh, food, or you name it. Tag your photos as well if you'd like at Hunt Harvest Health or Get Stealthy as we'd love to see what you guys are up to. Thanks. See you next time.